Hey friends, I don't know how long you've been a part of the Nothing is Wasted community, but I know that you have been encouraged by the incredible stories of people just like you who have navigated their difficult valleys and found hope on the other side. Now we know the power of stories here at Nothing is Wasted Ministries, and we know there are countless other stories that you haven't heard on the podcast. People who have experienced incredible healing and have newfound purpose because of the work God has done through Nothing is Wasted Ministries. Everywhere from resources like our free masterclasses to the Pain to Purpose course, our curated pathways, all the way to our online community, we believe deeply in the power of engaging our stories, even the most difficult parts, in order to find healing and hope. That's why this summer, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our Give Hope campaign by making a donation of any amount to Nothing is Wasted Ministries. Now listen, by donating, you're not only paving the way for more stories like the one you're listening to right now to be heard and to give hope to so many, but you're also helping us bring healing to the one, the one person who feels alone in their pain and is looking for encouragement and resources to help them through. This July, we are looking for 200 individuals who'd be willing to partner with us at a $20 a month level with a tax-deductible donation. Listen, together... We can reach more individuals, more nonprofits, more churches, more college campuses, even prisons, all of which we currently have opportunities in front of us to launch the Pain to Purpose course, uh, it, it, with the Pain to Purpose course and through the podcast. Your partnership will also allow us to offer a brand new initiative called the Healing Leader Roundtable, which is specifically designed to help churches, uh, move their teams and their congregations through trauma, tragedy, major life transition toward healing and mission. And together, we can also expand globally with our new translations of the Pain to Purpose course. We are currently in the works of trying to translate the course into Spanish, German, French, Ukrainian, and even Farsi. So would you consider partnering with us and being one of the 200 individuals to join us this summer? You've already seen the impact and the need for a ministry like ours just by being a listener to our podcast. We'd love for you to partner with us as we continue to bring hope for the many and healing for the one. You can donate today by going to nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. It'll be right there in your show notes. It'll also be right there below us on the YouTube channel. Nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. We would love to have you partner with us during this Give Hope campaign the month of July. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. I'm your co-host, Eric Shoemaker, along with my co-host... Aubrey Sampson. So glad that you're with us today, everybody. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And we have quite an episode. Uh, yes, today, we do. Today, Davey is interviewing Randy Alcorn. Randy Alcorn! Who is amazing. It feels like he's been around forever. Sort of yeah. a icon, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think we were discussing last episode how everybody loves 
Randy. Um, just an amazing story. He started Eternal Perspective Ministries in 1990. And before that, he'd been a pastor for 14 years. And you'll hear a little bit in the conversation about how he moved from being a pastor into EPM. Um, he has degrees in theology and biblical studies. Um, he's taught on the faculty of, of a seminary. Um, he is a New York Times bestselling author. He's written over, get this, 60 books. Okay, can I? <laughs> 60 books, Eric. Now, here's a secret. He talks about this. He does like a big honking, full in-depth book yeah. that is exhaustive on some topic. Yeah. And then he writes lots of little spin-off books I, from it. Brilliant. It I is brilliant. That is the most brilliant tactic. It, you and I as authors got to get on that train somehow. Yes, we do. Somehow. So yeah. I'm working on six books right now. Hey, that's that's an impressive number. So I, just, I'm happy. I'm thankful for that. Yeah. Yeah. Multiply that times Randy and you get <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, Eric, what are like uh, are there any specific Randy Elkhorn books that you've really, you know, have uh, to you? So I read his fiction series and now I'm gonna blank on all the names. Of course. But yeah. I there's one of his books. Uh, I know I feel bad, but it has a detective in it, and Ooh, it was okay. my favorite of his fiction books. I don't think I knew that he even wrote fiction. Yeah. So, and then I think um, he one of his fiction books. I listened to the audio book, and it's sort of like the Screw Tape Letters. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, but it's letters from one demon to another. Really, Randy is in his fiction. He is really good at like sanctified imagination about mm. how oh, things work. That. And and so so you take that with a grain of salt. You know, he admits that like I'm imagining what yeah. things can be like. Yeah. But he really makes you serious about like hungering for heaven and mm. following Christ and I I don't even know what the first book of his I read, but I just remember from a from an early point just really profiting from his... Yeah, being influenced by him. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me it was his book On Heaven, which was, I think, just called Heaven. Mm -hmm. Yep. Probably one of at least the more... Um, uh, I don't know if it's one of the more famous books, but it's certainly one of the yeah. titles that he, he is known for. And it's such uh, an important work because he he's helped move, I think, Christians from thinking about Heaven as this... Uh, thing we have in whole after death as opposed yeah, to something we're yeah. all waiting for in the resurrection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Thinking he's, about, yeah. I love that vision. It's so much thicker and this yes. idea of like the best of what we know now, yes. right? And so it's not going to be boring. It's not going to be us just like, I don't know, as angels yep, or something yeah. like that. But it's going to be yeah, earth just, remade. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And that was, that's a mind My takeaway line from the, the recording that you're going to hear, you got to listen for this, is um, when he says, you know, they say you only get to go around once, you know, on earth, but that's not true. For the believer, you, you get to go around twice and the oh. second trip is forever. Oh, that's so good. Oh, yeah. We'll yeah. definitely so, have to listen to that. So, this conversation, yeah. Um, if you don't know who Randy is, Randy Elkhorn, just Google him, look him up, find out about yeah. him. He's all over the radio, prints, yeah. he blogs, he he does all sorts of stuff. And uh, what's really great in this conversation is that um, 
you get to peek in on two mm. brothers in Christ who have lost their wives. Mm. Uh, Randy recently lost his wife, Nancy, to cancer. And so, just sort of the fellowship in that suffering between Davy and Randy is really sweet here. And it's really, I think, just encouraging and instructive for us as listeners to, to listen to. Well, I love that. With that in mind, why don't we go ahead and take a listen to Lauren? Well, Randy, it is so great to have you on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thank you for joining me. Hey, it's great to be with you, Davey. Thanks. What an honor this is. And I shared with you a little bit off air why this is such an honor for me. Um, I'm sure I've already shared this a billion times on the podcast, just how much your book, Heaven, impacted me as I was uh, walking through some of the healing of losing uh, my own wife. And um, and so I'm just thrilled to have this conversation. I would love, you know, there's there most people are going to know who you are as they're listening to this, but there are some who um, they're not familiar with you. So uh, I would love for you as best you can, uh, recap a little bit of your life and your career right now and just what, wh- who are you? What do you do? Um, this prolific writing career that you've had, speaking career, I just, uh, we're, we just, we, we, we just uh, have such an admiration for what God is doing in your life. And so I'd love for you to share with our community a little bit about yourself and then we'll dive into some of your story okay. in some of this book, Heaven. Yeah, I grew up in an unbelieving home. Uh, my dad was a tavern owner, very resistant to the gospel. Uh, actually rejected Jesus uh, until he was age 85 when I had the privilege of leading him to Christ when he mm. uh, was in a great deal of pain from a cancer that he had. And God gave him four more years and was able to see God do a work of grace in his life. Wow. And, uh, my mom had the privilege of leading her to the Lord uh, when I was in high school, shortly after I became a Christian at age 15, and then went to uh, Bible college and seminary, went through Bible college with the love of my life, uh, other than Jesus, the love of my life, uh, Nancy. Uh, and then we got married um, uh, after our fourth year, third year of Bible college, actually. And um, had a couple of daughters. Uh, I became a pastor of a church that was uh, a growing um, church in, of all places, uh, Boring, Oregon. That's actually <laughs> literally the name of the town. Now, I don't live in Boring. I live in Gresham, which is a suburb of Portland. But uh, so we thought of naming it Boring Bible Church, but we thought, no, that's not. That's <laughs> that just not, not appropriate. Be a good, so. mar- good marketing tool right there, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, I was pastor for years, and then uh, God did um, <laughs> some unexpected things leading me into— uh, I was working with a, what were then called crisis pregnancy centers, mm. um, and was on the board of one of them, and then the Lord um, led me into peaceful, nonviolent civil disobedience at abortion clinics. As a result, was uh, sued by multiple clinics. Um, one clinic won a judgment against me and some others for $8.2 million. Like I tell people, $8.2 wow. $8. million is more than I made as a pastor in a year. <laughs> so <laughs> like many times more. Uh, but the point is that uh, God just dragged me out of church ministry. I, I would have said wow. uh, 40 years from now, 
uh, I'll probably be retiring as a pastor from this same church. I had no desire to go anywhere else and do anything else. But I had started writing. Uh, but what the Lord did was, um, it's kind of a Genesis 50 thing. Uh, they intended it for evil, Joseph wow. and his brothers. They intended it for evil, but God intended it for good to save many lives. And then pretty soon, um, we started this ministry, Eternal Perspective Ministries, and I was able to write much more because mm. as a pastor, I just didn't have the time to write that much, just a couple of books. But yeah. uh, And then it, that became part of my job description, and God used it in incredible uh, ways. So that's the, that's the wow. part of my story that gets me to having been director of Eternal Perspective Ministries for— the last, what's it been, 30-some yeah. 30, 30 years. So. Yeah, wow, wow. I'm curious just personally because I kind of went through a little bit of that, a similar transition out of pastoral, mm-hmm. you know, local church pastoring ministry mm-hmm. to doing more of like a, I don't know what you call it, itinerant parachurch type ministry, right? right? And uh, it was a bit of an identity crisis for me, you know? I'm curious about that transition for you too. Yeah, I mean— I love being a pastor now, of course, as you well know, and anyone who's been a pastor for a while knows, um, it can be very challenging, um, and it's not easy. Um, We planted a church. It was a lot of hard work, but uh, God blessed it in very significant ways. I think the first thing that I experienced was a sense of loneliness and missing the uh, Mm. conversations with my fellow pastors in the hallways and the, the the secretaries and the teachers. We had a church school, uh, teachers at the school, uh, the custodial staff. I mean, everybody um, had come to mean something. And we had, uh, though we started the church in 1977, by the time I left in 1990, um, we had— um, 56 um, full-time employees at the church and in all of these different areas, including a number of pastors. And so I, I missed that. Now, what I didn't miss was all the meetings because uh, <laughs> I was involved in all the elders meetings and all the pastors meetings. And uh, yep. we had a ministry management team and a small group of us that— uh, any meeting that we ever had, it seemed like I was in. Uh, <laughs> and so suddenly— uh, I'm in parachurch ministry, and I go, well, I miss all the conversations in the hallways and the relationships, but wow, as a result of not having meetings, so many meetings, um, (laughs) I am actually able to get some writing done, get more speaking preparation done, and still ministering to people and touching their lives. But So that was part of the pro and Con. Part of the the yeah. con was that because of the abortion clinic lawsuits, uh, I could only make minimum wage for the first um, for actually the next twenty years. We thought it would be ten years, but one of the great blessings wow. out of that was uh, that before this whole thing happened, anticipating it could happen, um, we uh, committed to giving away one hundred percent of the royalties uh, from my books. And uh, by the way. As soon as that happened, I mean, within a month or two of making that decision as an irrevocable decision, I mean, we we could, I say irrevocable, we, we could have, and our board actually encouraged us to, well, take the royalties now once you got out from under the lawsuit because, mm-hmm. you know, that you earned them, they belong to you. And, and my feeling was, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it, mm-hmm. you know, because we're supporting ministries all over the year 
uh, world with millions wow. of dollars that have come. The books have sold over 12 million copies now. Um, it's just what God intended wow. to do and designed to do. It's Romans eight twenty eight in reality right. where you know in retrospect you see how God causes all yeah. things to work together for good. Yet when those things are happening, of course— and there's even things, and I'm sure in your case, wow. where even in this life, we will never understand wow. the fullness of it. But I think we will one day in his presence. And he'll he'll explain to us and lay out things to us, which now, even if he told us, probably wouldn't make sense to us. Yeah. Wow. You know, this is interesting. I was not planning on camping here at all. But now that you're saying this right here, it part of that transition of going from a local church pastorate to kind of an itinerant thing. There is a there is a a sense of feeling like how in the world is my family going to be provided for? Right. And so you can very easily in your heart begin to close your hands around right. resources out of a scarcity mentality. Hmm. And what an amazing thing just to kind of comment on the fact that you guys made this decision. Okay, we're just going to give away all of these royalties and then the Lord just opens up the floodgates, almost as if he's looking for someone who's just open-handed going, <laughs> where can I dump my resources that it's not going to wind up being a reservoir? It's going to be actually a river that flows into kingdom work. And you guys have been that conduit. Well, and it's been such an incredible blessing, Davey, because over the years, you know, we thought about, okay, so if I was, the reason I was writing books is to be used of God to change people's lives, to get an eternal perspective. That's why we named our ministry what we did. Um, and, and that itself would be a great reward. Mm. But then he doubled that <laughs> blessing and reward because every dime uh, of royalties that we make has it's gone into God's kingdom. Wow. And it's been amazing. Now, our ministry now take uh, is the recipient of 10% of those royalties, and then we give away the other 90%. But none of it's coming to us. And that's, a, that's wow. actually a very freeing thing. God has provided. I mean, our kids go to, I mean, our oldest daughter went off to a Christian college and anybody knows that any Christian liberal arts college anywhere <laughs> is extremely expensive. Yes. And we're going, okay, so her annual tuition is more than my salary. So how does that even work that wow. we could possibly be doing this? And yet through scholarships and all kinds of other things, God just just did what he did. Wow. And, and the figures just did not add up. Uh, but that's a beautiful thing that, that God does. So, Man, I'm going to have to like table that this, the concept of this part of the conversation, because there's no way that I can properly process how much, how challenging that is, Randy, as, just as you're laying that down and, and think about that. Well, we can do it another time, maybe if it works. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here like, man, my brain is reeling with just the process of all of that, because that is very challenging for, especially for anybody really. I mean, when it comes to stewardship of resources and when it comes to the the mentality that we have surrounding provision and money and stuff. And that's what's amazing. And I love that that's been a part of your story and that you're such a shining example of, you know, stewarding those resources well into the kingdom, sowing them into the kingdom. So thank you for that. That's, a, that's awesome. One of the things that I love about your transition as well is to your point, it gave you a lot of time to write. Right. And, Heaven specifically, all of your pieces are very thoughtful, but heaven stood out to me 
as an extremely thoughtful and thought-provoking piece that I had never, I mean, I don't think I had ever read any piece of work that was taking a concept that seems so ethereal to us and, and putting it, making it so accessible, mm. but also being very thoughtful to say, hey, we don't really know, but we can infer so much based on what scripture says. So let's go down these rabbit trails is, is essentially what you did. And that was highly impactful for me. I know it has been for some of our listeners. I'd love to talk about that, but I'd love to set the stage for it and, and talk a little bit about, you know, just over, many of our listeners will know just over a year ago, um, your, your wife, Nancy, went to be with Jesus. Hmm. And I'm, I'm curious how the work that you did with heaven how much more meaningful it was as you've been walking through that stage of grief? Well, great question. And I, I just have to say this, Nancy and I both talked a lot about this in the four and a half years that she was uh, dealing with her cancer um, and where it was becoming more and more evident toward the end that Probably, though we pray for her healing every day, if God has not healed her yet after four years, um, we, you know, we're thinking, well, maybe he's not going to, and we don't know how much time that she has. Of course, as she pointed out many times, we never know how much time any of us have, yeah. and that's absolutely um, the case. But uh, what, what I... First, let me tell you about Nancy. What 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 she experienced, which was such an encouragement to me, and it relates to your question about heaven and um, anticipating heaven and eternal perspective and all of that. Um, she every day. Now, she was a woman of the word. She was already a, a Bible student. She wrote women's Bible studies for our church. Um, she was a serious student. She would have reference works. We went through Bible college together, as I said. Um, she had those books. She knew how to use them, and she did diligently. So she was way, way above average in terms of uh, a Bible student. Right. But it took on a whole new level uh, when she was diagnosed with cancer. She right away started uh, journaling and then she uh, was already reading great books, but she just started choosing books on the attributes of God, several of which she had read in the past, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, Trusting God by Jerry Bridges, Desiring God by John Piper, and on and on. She's reading all these great books, and the common theme is they're about God, they're about God's attributes, uh, who He is. And then she was journaling. And so she would write in her journal, um, um, went to the doctor today, had a checkup, get test results back on Thursday. That was it about her. Now it was mm -hmm. um, handwritten passages of scripture and great quotes from the books that she was reading. Um, the uh, Valley of Vision, the book of Puritan prayers and all these incredible Puritan prayers. I highly recommend that book. So uh, the depth and the meaning of it, and see, she's got all that stuff. And then every once in a while, it made me smile because then she would, she'd be quoting from somebody and they'd put their name and then every once in a while, I'd see my name there and I'd go, oh, what did I say that she, that she liked, you know? Uh, so it was just, it was a beautiful experience to see my wife, who had 
struggled with a lot of phobias along the way, mm-hmm. um, different fears and, and worries in life, um, just at a whole new level, facing the hardest thing she had ever faced at peace with God. And I don't mean, of course, that she didn't have turmoil. She did mm-hmm. at times. But I mean, overall, she was very, very peaceful. And for me to see that and to have her say things like, um, I am going to, I know now I'm going to see Jesus very soon. Mm. I can't wait. It makes me so happy, you know. Wow. And that's after <clears throat> praying for healing for all those years. And we had just changed our prayers a few weeks before. Lord, <clears throat> if you're not going to heal her, please take her because the suffering was getting, you know, significant. But for her to also say, I would not trade this cancer for anything. What God has done in my life and how he's increased my my view and vision of uh, for him, is it, it, it has been life-changing. I wouldn't trade it. And then one day she was reading in Psalm 119, uh, which has more verses than any mm. chapter in the Bible. But um, but it, it says in one of the verses, um, uh, all things are your servants. In other words, all mm. things are God's servants. So then she wrote, that means... My cancer is God's servant in my life. And then she went to 2 Corinthians 4. Um, you know, these light and momentary yeah. afflictions are preparing in us or achieving for us yeah. an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. And that's wow. a theme verse of our ministry. And she was living it out. So as we then talked about her anticipation of heaven, she would say just to be with Jesus, to see my mom and to see your mom. And she's telling me these things. And and, um, a child that she thinks was miscarried, though she's not absolutely certain because circumstances under which it happened. And and for sure, um, one of our daughters miscarried, so a grandchild that she had not met. And what how glorious and wonderful it would be. But honestly, Nancy's greatest vision was for the new earth. It's for hmm. post-resurrection. She would she would uh, often talk about her uh, new earth bucket list. Oh, and uh, so, wow. you know, here, we, you know, we talk about bucket lists, but... And we talk about them as if this is the only place we could ever have a fun, exciting life, climb a mountain, uh, go see Lake Victoria, uh, do this, do that. This is our chance. This is our only yeah. chance, and and you only go around once on this earth. Well, actually, you go around twice, and this, mm-hmm. if you're if you're a follower of Jesus, and the second time <laughs> is forever. So yeah. we're talking about the present earth that's going to be made in the new earth, mm-hmm. just like our present bodies are going to be made into our new bodies in the resurrection and so nancy was energized and mm. and w- one last thing i'll say here second uh peter 3:13 became so true in her life peter says we are looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells and wow. every day she was looking forward to it she was talking about it she was saying thanks she loved dogs Loved dogs, uh, loved football, uh, loved uh, traveling, loved so many things that she loved. But she would talk about, uh, well, I'm just telling the Lord, Randy, 
Uh, I want a place on the new earth. I mean, you talk about being faithful in a little, I'll put you over much and reigning over cities or people or whatever. I'm asking that I I would reign over dogs. I mm. want to have a hundred <laughs> dogs on the new earth. And then I want to be by water and I want to watch the whales breach. And I want to go out and swim with the dolphins. And you know what? Such a sincere prayer that I think just delighted God. And I actually would be pretty surprised if he didn't answer those prayers. Hey, friend, I just want to take a quick moment to let you know about something we offer here at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Now, listen, Nothing Is Wasted is not just this podcast that you've been enjoying, full of stories of hope and healing in the midst of difficult and painful valleys. We're also a ministry with unending resources that can help you move forward on your healing journey from whatever pain you've experienced in life. We've got the Pain to Purpose course, master classes, curated pathways around specific pain points, an online community, and so much more. But if you're just getting started on the path of healing and you're interested in learning more about how you can even begin to untangle your pain, I wanna invite you to our free live five steps to taking back your story Zoom call. And I'll just be sharing some practical steps that you can take right here, right now to move from the hurt and trauma you've walked through and into deeper healing. You and I will be able to engage with each other. You'll be able to ask questions and learn what it looks like to start taking back your story. Now it's completely free, but it may just be the step that God uses to begin in you a journey of deeper hope and healing, no matter what you faced. All you got to do is sign up at nothingiswasted.com slash start here. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash start here. And join me as a first step to taking back your story, no matter what you've gone through. Now, listen, there is very real pain and loss that is threatening to keep you discouraged and despairing, but it doesn't have to be that way. Let me give you some practical hope that I've learned in my own pain and suffering after losing my wife, Amanda, in 2015. I found that the only way out of despair is going right through it, and life is too short to stay in your pain. We don't want to waste this. So I want to invite you to join me for our next free live Zoom call by signing up at nothingiswasted.com slash start here and let the healing journey begin in your life. Nothingiswasted.com slash start here. You know, Randy, you're, you're kind of, as you're talking about these things, it it reminds me of when I was reading heaven for the first time and it opened up my, my world. I mean, I grew up a pastor's kid, so I understood so much about, you know, scripture already just as the bedrock of the, the foundation of me growing up. And then I went to Bible college and I studied theology and, you know, was a pastor. But when I read heaven, there were some concepts in there that really a lot of people don't understand. And I didn't quite understand either, even down to this idea of the new heaven and the new earth. And, I think for a lot of us, we kind of think that heaven is the final resting place, or at least the place that, you know, our souls go to when we die is the final resting place. And that's what, that's our concept of heaven. And then we begin to think of it in terms of like, well, maybe we're just kind of floating around on clouds and there's a lot of babies in diapers playing harps. And I remember telling my mom when I was growing up, I don't want to go to heaven unless there's macaroni and cheese and baseball. Those, that's, (laughs) heaven doesn't sound appealing to me unless that's the case. And as I, as I read through, the reason it was so profoundly impacting is because I began to imagine what my late wife's life was like now. Mm. And then also began to imagine what it was going to be like as we all together again are, there's a new heaven and a new earth. Right. Can you theologically in some ways go ahead and just maybe quickly lay out for us like that process that scripture tells yeah. us, this is kind of what 
we know is going to happen. And then I'd love for us to take some rabbit trails of what we can maybe sure. in, like imagine would be that the, yeah. the case, you know? Yeah. So um, what we usually think of as heaven is the present heaven where people go when they die. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, you know, today you will be with me in paradise. We get a picture of paradise. Rich man and Lazarus, rich man goes to hell or mm-hmm. you could call it the present hell what ultimately will be cast into the lake of fire yeah. uh, but also uh it uh shows you know Lazarus uh, uh who and Abraham and they're in the good place they're mm-hmm. in the presence of God um and so we know that uh to be absent with the bodies to be present with the Lord that we immediately when we die go into God's presence so your wife is uh, conscious in heaven. My wife is conscious in heaven. Um, th- we we have people in heaven asking questions of God, like how long before you bring judgment on those right. who killed us, yeah. you know, um, right. which is, it's like God's people in heaven have this, you know, the, they have the sense of the attributes of God, not only his love and his grace, but also his justice yeah, right. and his holiness. Um, and uh, and then you've got this consciousness, you've got communication. This is all going on now. Now, on the one hand, you have uh, the sense that, well, because our, we leave our bodies on earth, we are not resurrected one at a time. That's a big misconception that mm. some people have. They think we go to heaven and we've got our resurrection bodies. Mm. And then the next person comes to heaven and they now get their resurrection. No, the resurrection is a future event mm. that's talked about in John 5 and 1 Thessalonians 4. It is not one at a time. However, there's also a depiction of the present heaven that is, is so physical and tangible. You got mm. people wearing white robes, which by the way, that's what they wore to a nice dinner. Mm-hmm. You put on your your whitest, your cleanest, yeah. you know, robe. And uh, and that's what they wore in that culture. So to us, the equivalent might be jeans and a t-shirt or a sweatshirt or whatever, because that's maybe what we wear. Or yeah. some people wear a suit and a tie. I do as infrequently as possible. But anyway. <laughs> that's so, why you so, got out of pastoral ministries. <laughs> yeah, that's it. There you go. Yeah, let's get to the heart of it. Um, so, but but the fact is that these uh, the people have got crowns. They, they're casting crowns before the Lord. There's a passage where people in heaven are carrying palm branches. The tree of life is said to be in the present heaven. And I think it's the same tree of life that's from the Garden of Eden and wow. will be on the new earth. So we got that, and maybe God gives some temporary form to us so that we can still be human and and more of a full sense because disembodied spirits are not, you know, like God made Adam from the ground and breathed into in breath of life, and human beings are the combination of physical matter and spirit. But in any case, we know we're not resurrected in the present heaven. Mm. The promise of the future in 1 Corinthians 15 says, this is the great promise, is that as Jesus rose from the grave and is now in the present heaven in his resurrection body, he will one day raise us. Mm. And so the body that goes um, into the dirt, you know, uh, is 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 consumed. It becomes ultimately part of the ecosystem. He's going to raise, uh, and 
And that will happen when he returns. And First Thessalonians 4 talks about that. Of course, the people have different ideas of the timing of this, a rapture, a pre-trib, and a post-trib, and all that kind of stuff. But the real emphasis of Scripture is he's coming again. Some people believe, I'm one of them, that there's be a millennial reign, thousand years on the old earth. Some people don't. Uh, believe that. They believe Scripture, but they don't interpret it that way. But in any case, what we all should have in common is the belief about our ultimate destination, which is the new heavens and the new earth. And the new earth will be a capital planet of that Mm. new universe. Heavens and earth are universe. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. That means God created the universe. The new heavens and new earth will be the new universe, the redeemed universe that will no longer be under the curse. And therefore, it isn't hard for us, it shouldn't be hard for us to imagine what the new earth will be like. And we're Mm. told a number of things anyway. We're told about eating and drinking. We're told about the tree of life, which has become a forest of life growing up on both sides of the river, producing a new fruit every month. It's obvious that we will eat the fruits, you know, all of that. But the great thing about it is it will be redeemed, not only redeemed creation, it'll be redeemed culture. Mm. Uh, it, you you, you see... You have people who are coming into the city and they're bringing in their treasures. The end of Revelation 21 says, the kings of the nations of the earth will bring their treasures, their splendors in the new Jerusalem. People are making things. They're creating things. We will always be, as we are now, made in the image of God, but we'll be made in the image of God with creativity to do things, go places, see things. Mm. Um, His servants will serve him, we're told. Servants have things to do, places to go, people to see. It will not be boring. It will be anything (laughs) but that. And there will be no more sin, no more death, no more suffering, no more pain. And so all the best of this life and none of the worst of it. Wow. That's what awaits us. Wow. Wow. And that's one of the things I loved as you begin to open up my imagination for it. I begin to think through those terms and go, wait a minute. Like, okay, so the four tastes of heaven that we experience here on this earth, because we do, we experience these little tiny foretastes where we go, oh, that is good and right and true and 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 filled with the, the fullness of joy. And wow, that's amazing, you know, that's just a, a minor taste of what we're going to experience. And you mm-hmm. imagine those things with the curse of sin lifted. Right. And you can start to get your imagination running away with you. And you start to think about how amazing it's going to, to be to endlessly explore God's creation and it terminate in the worship of God and not the right. worship of his creation as we've mm. done under the curse, right? And you start right. to go, oh, this is why, it feels like this is why it, it's, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I imagine like the angels go holy because they've just caught this picture of awe of the majesty of God. And then they try to come back up for air to look again. And then like, boom, the holy again. And it's just on repeat because we're just such in so much awe, like that breathtaking, I've just Mm. discovered something new moment happening forever. Mm. And as I began to read your, it began to just, and I'm like going, oh my gosh, I can't wait for this which is not necessarily, as you lay out in your book, the sentiment that we all have about heaven. We're so tied to earth now, right? Exactly. And that's why 
Colossians 3 says we're to set our hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set our hearts in heaven, set our minds on heaven. And here's the thing, that's the present heaven for now. But we are to set our minds and do exactly what 2 Peter 3 says again, look forward to the new heavens and the new earth because mm. that's the ultimate place. The present heaven, and um, I don't want to in any way demean it, uh, but it, it it's like the layover before we get to our final destination. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's an incredibly great layover. It's the, the best okay. lounge you've ever experienced, <laughs> It is <right>? not uh, <laughs> O'Hare in Chicago. It's uh, not the Dallas airport. It's not, you know, but it is a wonderful place. But uh, Spurgeon uh, preached a sermon on this about how the saints in heaven now mm-hmm. anticipate the resurrection and look forward to it. And and we should, in 1 Corinthians 15 and other passages, make that emphatically clear. But I think if, if our eyes are on this present earth, our eyes are on what's under the curse. Mm-hmm. If we start to think uh, that, uh, like some people— uh, I mean, some people who are afraid to die and don't want to ever die and are doing anything they can to try to still appear young and all of this, like like um, just a white-knuckled grip on youthfulness and all of that. I mean, if I had that, I'd be in trouble because I'm 68 now. Uh, and I remember when I was always the youngest guy on the block. I was a 22-year-old full-time pastor. You know, I was always the youngest person in the room. I, every Bible study I led, everybody's older than me. And then I started to realize as the years went on, there's a lot of people that are actually my age. And then there's a lot of people that are much younger younger than me. And so now I'm coaching tennis uh, with uh, my two of my high school uh, grandkids on the team. And, and I'm just going, I don't want to hang on to this life. <laughs> what I want is the life to come on a new earth with a new body unstained, a world unstained by sin, people unstained by sin, no more suffering, no more pain. That Those are the blood-bought promises of Jesus, Revelation yeah. 21.4. And by the way, that promise doesn't come until the newer. That yeah. isn't true in this life. And there's a lot of people that are name it and claim it. You know, if, uh, if you, uh, you know, God, it's always God's will to heal. Mm. It's always God's will. And, and even some of the Dear people who would pray for Nancy would write and say, we know God is going to heal Nancy because he would never, he doesn't allow his servants uh, to uh, suffer and die. And like that, and I go, have you, have you have even read the Bible? Read the Bible? Yeah. Do you know yeah. church history? Right. The people of God have suffered more, not yeah. less. Right. They have suffered more than yeah. a lot of people. Now, God bless. I mean, it's wonderful when he gives us health. And we're grateful for it. And when he heals, which he does sometimes, but like I say to people, um, you know, if you know a 120-year-old faith healer, introduce me to him. I'd like to meet him. Right. They're not out there. Right. Yeah. They all die. They all die of something. And it's usually some sickness yeah. or a heart attack, or maybe they have an accident. But whatever it is, the point is, don't judge God's faithfulness to you by how 
easy and how well things are going in your body and your mind. Um, when Alzheimer's starts to kick in, uh, when you have ALS, when you have, I mean, We've got to be prepared for suffering. First Peter says, do not be surprised, brothers, at the fiery ordeal you are experiencing as though something strange were happening to you. Yeah. It's not yeah. strange at all. Uh, I promise it. Now, you're not taking my promises that you're going to suffer and putting them up on your refrigerator or your right. dashboard, probably. Right. It's not your life first, <laughs> but I'm promising it along with the other things. Yeah, yeah, wow. Well, and of course, you know, you know that yes. very well, Davey, in yeah. your own life. Yeah. And what's interesting is we, for whatever reason, our theology doesn't support that or support suffering until we actually begin to suffer. And then we have to reconfigure our theology. And I'm sure that it has something right. to do with the fact that our entire culture, American Western Christianity, is built around comfort and convenience and consumerism. But to your point, when you do suffer, you start to things start to shift. You start to see things through a a, a, a right-sized theology. Right. I, I'm curious as you, you know, as you, as you were researching for heaven, as you've experienced some of your own suffering, as you've watched, as you watched Nancy and you were by her side, why is a proper theology so imperative to um, us being able to walk through pain well? Wow. I mean, great question. It, it is so essential because it's the lens through which you see everything. It's the lens through which you see God. It's the lens through which you see life. It's the lens through which you see other people. Um, and when I say it's the lens through which you see God, it's if you actually have a wrong worldview, an unbiblical um worldview like we were talking about, health and wealth theology, prosperity theology, then what's going to happen is you're going to believe when suffering comes, God is letting you down. Yeah. Or maybe God isn't even there. Maybe he isn't real. I'll never forget years ago when I was writing my book, If God is Good, a problem, uh, a book on the problem of evil and suffering. And of course, I solved that problem uh, easily in that book. No, but <laughs> I've, written, solved that one. <laughs> I've written several books on uh, that and of course yeah. did not solve it. But yeah. it's the question of the ages. But here's the thing. Um, uh, the people of God have always known about the problem of evil and suffering. Right. and But people today, Christians today, and many evangelical churches don't think about the problem of evil right. and suffering until it happens to them, and then they don't have answers because yeah. they have the, their God is so small that he's like a genie mm. uh, that when they pray, it's like Aladdin's lamp, mm. and he appears and he does whatever they want. And so they're, they're telling God, they're claiming this, and God must do that. And Nancy and I were so uh, aware. Our worldview was, okay— Better people than us, by far, mm. in the case of Jesus, infinitely better, have had their prayers not answered. Right. I mean, Jesus' prayer in the right. garden was wow. that the Father would remove this cup of suffering from him. Wow. He added the caveat, you know, yeah. your will be done if it's your will or your will be done. But the, the main prayer itself was deliver me from the suffering. Now, yeah. Are you and I profoundly faithful that God did not answer that prayer? 
Absolutely. You've got the Apostle Paul. Now, of course, he ultimately answered it. Your will be done because he did his will. Okay, but that's why we should add that. And I've been told by people, now don't add that, your will be done thing, because that that means you're being faithless. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not really trusting God. You know, well, no, I'm trusting God to do what he knows is best. I'm asking for what I want, but I'm trusting him to do what's best. And that's what we did. Uh, with Nancy, we prayed for healing, but we said, but God, we know you don't always choose to heal. We know we're all going to die. You know, we we know we live in a world of suffering, but but that's up to you. But I'll tell you what, if you don't have that worldview that is is rooted in what Scripture tells us, then you're going to resent God. You're going to be angry at God. You are going to possibly just entirely lose your faith in God. And I'll be honest with you, David, I actually think there are many people, including many professing Christians, who actually need to lose their faith because their faith is in the wrong object. It's not true saving faith because it's not faith in the true God revealed in Scripture. It's faith in an imaginary God. And an imaginary God doesn't save you and doesn't transform you. An imaginary God did not create the universe. The real God did. And the real God went to the cross. And so whenever, for you and for me, and so whenever you are tempted to say, God, I just don't, you wouldn't let me go through this. I mean, I, I think of everything that you went through with the murder of your wife. I mean, good night. If, if you had blamed God, if you had said, I'm not going to believe in you, I'm not going to follow you as a result of that, uh, the devastation to uh, your life, the devastation to the people around you, family and everybody else, there are so many people today who are losing faith. What they do need to do is lose their faith in the wrong thing to yeah. clear the idols out of the way so that you can place your uh, faith in the one true God revealed in Scripture who is sovereign, who is loving. And Nancy talked, I mean, incessantly, she talked about the sovereignty and love of God for her. Wow and the rest that that gave her. And she said, someday I know he's going, when he comes for me, I'm not gonna have to work up the strength. He is going to just take me, and then she used the word jubilantly, Mm. into his presence. And that's exactly what happened. I was with her when she died, and that's what happened. Wow, wow, wow. Man, what an inspiring thing even for, you know, to hear an account of her really trusting in the sovereignty of God in the midst of this cancer journey and diagnosis and and at the same time trusting in the love of God, right? Those two things coupled together Absolutely. is what's imperative. Is yeah, because if, if God is sovereign but not loving, right. well, okay, but there's no relationship if he doesn't love me and he doesn't care about me or whatever. That's but right. if he's loving and not sovereign, and that's where some people are, it's like it's out of his control. The yeah. devil, the demons, they're they're running the show. Um, you, your life can be ruined by one pe- person who does a horrible thing. Think yeah. if your life was in the hands uh, of the person who killed your wife then, then your life would be hopeless forever. Yeah, it would right. be, it would be like, okay, um, he had the power to ruin my life. No, God has all the power. God has 
all the wisdom. God has all the love. And that's why we can trust him. Not, oh, I'm trusting him today because things are going well for me. No, that's not going to last. Hey, friends, I'm sure by now you've had a chance to be encouraged and inspired by the many stories of resilience and healing that we that we share here on the podcast. But have you ever considered why we share these stories? The truth is, when you're navigating a dark valley, it can feel utterly lonely, as if there is no one who has ever experienced the emotions you're feeling or have the questions that you're asking. So much of what we do here at Nothing Is Wasted is to encourage you and others that you are not alone here in this valley, but there are those who have walked a similar path before you and who have found hope and healing in the midst of the most profound and painful situations. Listen, if these stories have been a part of your own transformation and healing, we would love to partner with you to bring that same hope to others. Take a listen to the impact Nothing Is Wasted and the resources that we offer has had on the life of Brooke Talley, who is now one of our certified coaches. Listen to this. So the podcasts were incredibly helpful for me to feel seen by other Christians walking through incredibly broken and difficult circumstances with their eyes focused on Jesus. Um, So much strength was drawn from this podcast and still is. Honestly, it's one of the ones that I listen to most faithfully. The Pain to Purpose course transformed my life, and I do not use that word lightly in 2020. I walked through it about three years after my husband went to heaven, and the course unraveled things in me that I would have not been able to name that I was still wrestling with, fear being one of the biggest things I was still really feeling in my body. And there were tools, there were very practical tools in the Pain to Purpose course alongside theology and deep, deep truth about who God is and who He is to us when we are walking through seasons of darkness. Um, The Pain to Purpose course met me right where I was at and gave me tools that would transform my journey. I'm now coaching the Pain to Purpose course with other widows, and that process has transformed me, taken me even deeper. To be able to be a coach to other widows through the Pain to Purpose course has has taken me places I never thought I would go to be able to hear other widows unpack what their questions are and sit in this content alongside them is truly unbelievable. Listen, there are so many more people out there like Brooke or perhaps like you who are looking for hope in the middle of the seemingly impossible. They need to hear that others have walked through pain and have moved forward towards healing and have found purpose in their most painful parts of their stories. We'd love for you to be a part of bringing hope to the many through things like this podcast and the healing to the one, the one like Brooke, who was a young widow in desperate need of hope. We would love to invite you to partner with us by making a $20 a month or more donation through our Give Hope campaign, okay? Now, there's so many um, added benefits that you get to donating $20 a month or more. Not only are you partnering with us, to expand the work of Nothing Is Wasted Ministries, but it also gives you access to our entire community plus library of content. And it's tax deductible. You can join us on this campaign the month of July by going to nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash give hope. And together 
We can bring hope to the many and healing to the one. Join us and and let's transform your story of pain into purpose as we partner together. You know, Randy, there's a couple things, um, two in particular, and so I'll take these questions one at a time, but there's two things in particular that, that when I read Heaven, it really helped to resolve some things for me because I had a lot of question marks around these two topics. One is what is it going to be like with our relationships in Heaven? You know, the loved ones who have passed before us, there's so in our minds, often there's so much of a question mark. Are, are we going to know them? Are we going to see them? Are we going to be with them? Are they going to know us? Is it, you know, how is our our relationships, how is that going to uh, occur according to scripture? And, and you know, what is, what, what is that, what does that all look like? Yeah. Uh, we're called the family of God. And so a lot of people say, well, do you, do you think we'll actually remember people we knew on earth and go, well, uh, you know, George McDonald said something like, um, well, do you think you're going to be smarter or dumber once you're in heaven? <laughs> you know? Well, of course, we'll be smarter. We'll have yeah. better memories. Uh, we'll and actually remember people's name, right? Yes. You don't have that exactly. moment where you don't you're have like, to, oh, I can't believe Yeah, it. you don't have to say, hey, bud, how you doing today, you know? And uh, but no, but it's 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 like of course we will. God yeah. has built us for relationships. When He said it is not good for man to be alone, uh, relationships and and knowing people and and knowing names and numbers of people that we're the family of God. He's uh, our Father. Uh, Jesus is called our our older brother. You know, our brother. Um, because uh, he's one of us, right. you know. Uh, God is his father um, in, in a somewhat different sense, of course, because right. he's part of the triune God from eternity past, but uh, God is our father. And so it's family, and family knows each other and loves each other, and family gets together for meals. Um, seven or eight times in the Gospels, Jesus promises that he is going to be eating and drinking with his disciples in the kingdom. Now, what we do many times, those of us who believe in a literal thousand-year kingdom on earth, the millennium, uh, what we do is we restrict that to the millennium. No, we should think in terms of forever, mm-hmm. celebrating wow. forever, eating and drinking on the new earth and our resurrection bodies, not yeah. just for a thousand years. It's what Daniel says in Daniel 7 and Daniel 9, forever and ever yeah. uh, we will reign over God's world. That's one of the amazing things that God rules over the universe. We are his children and part of the family business is ruling. I mean, yeah. you you see it in Genesis one. I mean, God creates Adam in Genesis two, and Adam and Eve. And what is their job? To rule the world, not yeah. to oppress the world, but to benevolently rule over the world. And uh, and and first and foremost, the first thing entrusted to them is care for the animals. Mm-hmm. So again, to to think in terms of of. God ruling, but ruling together, and and together in 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 close relationships, the saints of God will rule the earth. We will 
when we eat and drink, I could just envision all of the banquets and mm-hmm. and and Jesus, you know, makes the seating arrangements, and we are yeah. we are meeting people who we never knew before, but in ways we didn't even understand. Uh, or perhaps ways we did understand, but we'd never met them, had this great impact on our lives. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has had a major role in my life. Obviously, I haven't met him. I, I wrote a book with him. I'm going to have to apologize for that because <laughs> half of it's Spurgeon and half of it's me. Uh, but the old, you know, it, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission yeah. will yep. definitely apply. I don't yeah. think there'll be especially, resentment. Especially in heaven. I think there'll be a lot more grace there, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It'll be all grace. And uh, so, but... Seriously, I Nancy had so many favorite people um, that had gone to be with Jesus, but also people whose books she'd read. So um, she, uh, J.I. Packer, uh, did, went home to be with Jesus a, a little while ago, and uh, and Nancy was so touched and struck by it because she remembered the conference where she says, I got coffee for J.I. Packer, you know, when <laughs> he and I were on a panel together yeah. with a couple of other guys. And, wow. and uh, he said, oh, I wish I had some coffee. And Nancy ran and got him some coffee <laughs> from a, a Starbucks and, you know, mm. brought it up to him. And he was so grateful. But my point is, she loved his writings. Yeah. And, and Tozer and all these other um, people, Elizabeth Elliot and mm. uh, so many people— uh, uh, and then not to mention all the ones throughout history and all the biblical yeah, characters, right. we uh, it will be a relational world. God, yeah. We're made in God's image, and a huge part of that is relationships, first and foremost with him, but then all of the horizontal relationships, and we will enjoy those forever. We'll work wow. together. We'll pray together. We'll worship him together. We'll sing together. We'll work together. I yeah. mean, what a great thing it'll yeah. be. Yeah, it's amazing to think about the fact that God did create us and and designed us uniquely, all of us, right? Scripture tells us that. So we're not going to lose that unique personhood that we have. It's actually going to be enhanced. Absolutely. Absolutely, because the distinctives that we have, the uniquenesses, the so in some ways, heaven, uh, like the new earth, will be the same for everyone in that it'll be the the same world, the same new universe. We haven't even talked about the the, the new heavens, you know, and whether <laughs> we'll to travel your book, Randy, to the Andromeda galaxy and <laughs> yeah. explore all to the glory of God. Sure. Well, why not? If we would explore this earth to the glory of God, right. well, if this creation is, you know, speaking of his glory and the heavens are speaking of his glory, will will we explore the, you know, the new heavens? But wow. But what an incredible thing it will be to experience life together. And you kind of alluded to this before, but, you know, we go to the present heaven one at a time. But the when God brings down the present heaven to the new earth, and it mm. says in Revelation 21, uh, 3, it says three times he will come down and dwell with his people and he will be with them and they will be his God. Three times the word with, Wow. is used, and uh, we will, he will live with us. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the King of Kings, and he will dwell not only in us, but he will dwell with us forever. Yeah. And we will go places and do things to his glory. All we do will be uh, will be worship, 
Uh, and and there will be no end to the delights. It's like um, Lewis says in, at the end of the, the last battle, the Chronicles of Narnia, um, where he talks about the 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 story, this this life, and all our experiences. And he says of the children who went to Narnia, their experiences in Narnia, those were just the title page, wow. you know. And then then begins the the big story that will never end where every chapter is better than the one before. Hmm. I don't think there's ever been written a better description outside of scripture of the new earth and the new heavens and new earth where we'll live forever. We really will live happily ever after. That is not a fairy tale ending. That is a blood-bought promise of Jesus. We will live happily ever after. The we, of course, is very important. We who know him, love him, trust him, believe in him. Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, it's interesting you segue for me in that. Um, It's very apparent to me, Randy, even as I'm having this conversation with you, that you're an evangelist at heart. And, you know, sharing with us how you led family members of yours to Christ, uh, even the way you spill over and bubble about God's kingdom. I mean, you can just tell you have an evangelism's heart, evangelism heart. Um, there's nothing more difficult for someone, a pastor or someone who has lost a loved one or someone who has knows someone who's lost, lost a loved one than to be unsure mm. of where they're spending eternity. I mean, I've done funerals before where I did not want to do the funeral because I just, I I wasn't sure how I could provide hope. And then there are funerals where as sad as it might be, you're still, there really is a celebration because you're sure, you're confident, you know, and as scripture tells us, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. That's right. However, I I really loved, you, you touched on that in the book a little bit and it was very helpful to hear me or it was very helpful for me to read that and to kind of hear from you what, what that actually, you know, how to navigate some of that. And so we've got people who are listening and they're, you know, they've, they've probably experienced the loss of a loved one that they're not mm-hmm. sure where right. they're spending eternity. And how, what kind of comfort can we draw from? Can we de- derive from, you know, even in those places where we feel unsure or even how to minister to someone who feels unsure about that? Right. Uh, well, first of all, I would say that for all of us, it's a reminder of the importance of while we still can, uh, sharing the gospel with people that we know and love, yeah. uh, friends, neighbors, co-workers, family members, and sometimes you get a lot of pushback. My dad pushed back on me for years. Um, I have uh, a brother uh, still alive today uh, who sometimes pushes back when I try to show the gospel. I mean, he's very nice about it. Um, but um, so so let's share with people who are there. But when we have lost a loved one, and uh, even if, if we think they were unbelievers, even if you th- have reason to believe they were un- unbelievers, and often we know that, you don't know what happened in their final moments. You simply yeah. don't know. Um, so if anyone had known the thief on the cross, yeah. uh, you know, and maybe they live hundreds of miles away uh, and they've, you know, he's he's dishonored the family and they don't even know what's going on with him. But if they find out that he's crucified for his sins, would they have ever suspected 
that he had turned to faith in God, that he had turned to the Savior of the world. Um, And remember, he couldn't uh, get down from the cross and be baptized, uh, give an offering, attend church or then synagogue. Um, You know, nothing that he could do. So, So let's remind ourselves that a person who is unconscious and in a hospital is still alive. And could God be speaking to them? Could God be bringing back to their memory things uh, in this life where the gospel had been shared with them? Sure. So uh, are there deathbed conversions? Yes, we know there are. And there may be many more than we realize. So I just say to people, you don't know, although, but don't tell yourself. And and because someday— I could cling to the hope that they turned at the last moment, therefore I won't share the gospel. Don't do that. Yeah. But I think right. there is comfort in the fact that God is sovereign. He um, He knows whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And I know this, that because uh, some people ask, well, heaven won't be heaven if, if we have people we love that are in hell. God will never allow heaven um, to be trumped by hell. That's um, right. Yeah. That's absolutely funny. not. That's good. Yeah. You know, scripture tells us that he wishes that no one would perish, that he's not slow in keeping his promises. That that's actually why he's prolonging all of this is so that all would come to repentance. Absolutely. If they would. And and then you couple that with the fact that he, you know, he he, he knows how to reach into the heart of somebody. Right. He's the only one that can. Eternity is written on our hearts. And um and and so I, I it is a very comforting thing to know that um, God's doing everything that He wills and that He I don't want to say He can because He's not limited. That's a, probably the right. wrong terminology, but He's drawing people's hearts, and we have no right. idea how He's drawing people's hearts. And so that was a yeah, that's very comforting to know that. Randy, this has just been such a mm. powerful conversation. This has been so good. It's been it's exceeded my expectations, and I had really high mm. expectations coming to this. So, <laughs> so I appreciate. So much you giving us, be so being so generous with your time and giving us uh, um, just so much of your your wisdom. We are again, we're just we're grieving with you um, as as you know, with, in the loss of Nancy, and um, we're grateful as a community. We would love to be able to continue to follow along with what you're doing and your writing and all that. How can we stay in touch with you? Probably the best way is to go to EPMs. Dot org, EPM.org, EPM stands for Eternal Perspective Ministries. You just go there online, and uh, then you can tie in to the blog that I do three times a week. And I get a lot of help from uh, one of our staff members, Stephanie, in terms of taking things I've already written and the new things that I've, I'm writing and, and just, you know, weaving them together. Uh, and lots of people have gotten a lot of encouragement, even in the last year, from the blogs that I've done related to Nancy, uh, things that I've said about her and written about her and spoken about her at um uh, you know, conferences, and um, there's lots of videos of me speaking places. But I think the, the the most important thing is those blogs and that entire website, which uh, 
is filled with a lot of content. So go there, go into that search engine and search away and you'll be a kind of amazed probably at what you find, especially on subjects that I've written extensively on, the problem of evil and suffering, um, money possessions of eternity, multiple books on um, money and stewardship that uh, I have written, uh, multiple books on heaven, the big heaven book that that um, I think you read uh, in, in addition to that. There's uh, 50 Days of Heaven, a devotional book. What I try to do is I write these big books that are definitive. Happiness is one of the main things. I've got a big book on happiness, and then I have several smaller spinoffs, including devotional. So what I like to do is kind of put it in all these different sizes. So of the 60 books now that I've written, um, you may have... Uh, five or six of them that are a cluster about this subject and five or six about this and yeah. about this one, about this one. Sometimes they're standalones. No other book that I wrote really connects with them, uh, but many times they they overlap, but they're for different audiences, including a book called Heaven for Kids. Yep. Uh, and that book uh, is one, I, I, I always get a lot of encouragement when I, get letters from kids that have read it or a parent sends a, a photo of their kid, yeah. you know, reading Heaven for Kids. And yeah. I did an audio uh, of that book as I've done many of my books. And um, it, it was so fun imagining the children that I was reading to. Mm. So. That's amazing. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for, I mean, geez, your life work up to this point, this time that you've shared with us. We're, we're so grateful. We're so grateful. Glad to do it, Davey. And thank you for uh, this program and for your ministry. I think it's uh, it's very, um, very significant. And God bless you, brother. Thank you. Well, I mean, you set us up so well for that, Eric, because that was an incredible conversation between Davey and Randy. And you're right to have the, like, getting a little getting a little peek at these two men and their shared suffering, mm-hmm. really a beautiful, uh, beautiful thing. So I loved that one. And I, I loved how both of them talked about thinking about heaven mm-hmm. and what both of their wives are experiencing Wow. Right now, yeah, and um, and even uh, I loved how Randy shared uh, how Nancy had a uh, I think he I think he called it her bucket list items for the new creation for you know when it gets here and yeah. thinking about all the things that we plan we want to do before we die yeah but she's thinking about like these are the things I want the Lord to give me in the new creation mm-hmm. and <laughs> I want to be in charge of a hundred dogs and you know all this stuff. <laughs> I love thinking about I love thinking about that because I I don't know growing up like the first time I heard the gospel I was 11 so it was the first time I like thought about this idea of heaven but what I did inherit was certainly that gospel that was just like you get saved from hell right mm-hmm. and so that you can go to this kind of mythical place that you've never experienced before and you're floating around and you're going to sing all day and That vision of heaven to me, especially as a kid, but even as I grew up, I was like, I mean, I love Jesus and I want to see Jesus face to face, but like, that sounds terrible. Like, that sounds boring. (laughs) And that's forever. Like, I definitely didn't have a robust 
view of heaven or what we would probably call new creation mm-hmm. now. But I don't know that a lot of people do. So that's yeah. what's, that's what I like about Rand, some of Randy's work is really giving us an actual like biblical view of what it means when we talk about heaven. Yes. And I, I remember the same thing as a kid. You know, I remember my view of heaven was shaped a lot by like cartoons, like Tom and Jerry, <laughs> you know, like Jerry drops an anvil on Tom's head and then he gets wings and he floats up and he's playing a harp on a cloud, you know? And, and I'm so like, true. well... I guess it would be fun to fly. Yeah, flying will be awesome. (laughs) But otherwise, and you know, I, I, um, it, it didn't strike me how bad that idea of heaven was Mm. until I started learning about the new heavens, the new earth. Mm. That you know, we are absent from the body; we go be present with the Lord at death. Yep. Yep. But Hebrews says we're all waiting for yeah. this new city, this new homeland, this resurrection from the dead. And yeah. I remember in seminary, I was having theology class. My professor was um, Russell Moore. And he said, you know, a lot of people think of heaven as this big, long, never-ending choir concert mm-hmm, where we're just totally. singing the whole time. And he said, mm-hmm. and the reason that that sounds boring and terrible is because it is. That's like boring and terrible. Yeah. Not that we don't mind singing every once in a while, <laughs> but he said, we weren't created for that. Mm. You go back to Genesis 1 and look at what we are created to do, mm. and we weren't created to stand around in a choir singing nonstop. Yeah. Wow. Where we were created to work the earth, mm-hmm. to rule the earth together mm-hmm. in God's image. And and Randy's so good about saying, and that's what we'll be doing in the yeah. new creation. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just love that. And it makes yeah. me excited about heaven. Right. It makes you excited about heaven because then you're imagining, and this is biblical, you're imagining the best cities and you're imagining the yes. best art and you're imagining the best music and you're imagining the best of technology and the best food and the perfect relationships and all the justice and all the flourishing and all the shalom and everything ordered. And yeah. like, and then we think about heaven as like this sort of, yeah, this, this, sphere that we're waiting for and like Jesus is ushering it in. And sometimes I, I sort of imagine like we've got our, like we're holding onto a rope and like being pulled towards this new creation. Mm. And like, I just can't wait for that. That's an exciting vision and all around Jesus. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that is something that for eternity is awesome. It's this world and all of its work and all of its Mm. beauty without the thorns and thistles. There you go. And, you know, that that should give us great courage in the face mm-hmm. of death because, yeah. um, you know, we often face death, even especially untimely death, and go, oh, there's so much I didn't get to experience. Mm. There's so much, or wow. so much I wanted to do. Wow. And, well, what is there that you missed out on on this earth mm. that you won't be able to do mm. in heaven? And... The, I think the answer is nothing except yeah. for sin. Yeah. And so yeah. the only thing we won't get to experience, the only thing we might miss out on is more sinning. Mm. And that's the good to miss out that's on that. That's so good, right? <laughs> so it's, you know, even marriage. The person who says, well, I can't get married in heaven, yeah. but you have Christ. We're married right. to Christ. It's, right. the, it's the best in the true marriage. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's... 
I, you know, Pastor Tim Keller, who's a very well-known pastor, died from cancer of, gosh, just a few weeks ago. Although now, when this episode airs, it'll probably be over a month or two. But he said, um, of course, way more Keller and eloquently than I'm about to say, but the only thing death can do for the Christian is improve our lives. Mm. And I, I, that's ultimately it. Like even even when you're thinking about those that, you know, I've shared before on the show that my best friend died and some of my lament has been, she's going to miss out on this. She's going to miss out on that. She's going to miss. And it, so if you, and of course that's, we need to lament those things. Yes. Yep. I would never say we shouldn't. But if we can have a right theology about new creation, thinking actually she is still going to get to experience that in its best form, its truest form, under Jesus in fullness, like all of that is like, okay, it's going to be okay, you know? It, It does provide some comfort, some excitement, and I think a longing for heaven that sometimes Christians don't have because we're viewing it wrong. Yes, yeah. And I... I think that's exactly right. That we need to have a better a better view of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then when we lose loved ones who are believers, mm. thinking, "Oh, I didn't get to go on this trip with them." Yeah. Well, I'm assuming there's an even grander Grand Canyon yeah. in the new heavens than yeah, New Earth. Yeah, totally. That totally. we're gonna go visit and look at. And um, good. Yeah. So this is a this is a great conversation. Just want to encourage listeners to go find uh, Randy Alcorn online and read mm-hmm. some of his books. Uh, listen to some of his stuff. It's great. Yeah. Uh, we want to encourage you to join uh, our community uh, and community plus at nothingiswasted.com slash community. Um, Aubrey, you want to tell us a little bit about what Community Plus is? I would love to. Community Plus is um, it, it's a subscription. I think it's $20 a month. The beautiful thing about it is it is a tax write-off for you. It's basically a donation to Nothing Is Wasted. So for $20 a month, you're receiving original content that's just for Community Plus members. That's um, classes that we've created. That's exclusive content. That's actually some time online with Davey. He does uh, lives. There's all there's all kinds of things we have. Community Our community platform at nothingiswasted.com slash community is amazing. I would highly recommend you join that now. But Community Plus is just next level. Like if you're looking for more resources in your grief and your pain and your heartache, if you're walking with someone who is, I would highly recommend you check out Community Plus. Hmm. Yeah, great. Check that out. And we want to thank Sleeping at Last for all the music that they have provided in this episode and our other episodes. Be sure to like and follow us at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries at EM Shoemaker, spelled Schumacher, and at Obsamp. And we want you to find us on your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, um, and rate, review, subscribe, uh, leave an interesting and engaging five-star review. Uh, <laughs> maybe, maybe we will even feature it on we one of these. We might even read it. Yeah, and if these, you say yeah. what a great co-host Eric Shoemaker is, I might even send you a book. <laughs> oh, there I you heard go. That. I heard yeah, that. so yep, go on and do it for so a free book. Aubrey Sampson will be reviewing it here soon. That's right. Uh, I'll be um, checking it out. Yes. And then, of course, review, like, and subscribe to the podcast on, and you can find us on YouTube. And so, 
If you want to see our faces, they are there um, in full living color. And uh, <laughs> and when you when you rate and review and share these things, you can help others um, learn how to find uh, purpose in pain. Yeah. And uh, we invite you to do that. So yeah. thank next you week. for joining us. Thank Tell us what next week. Here. Yeah, next week we have another incredible conversation for you. Let's go ahead and take a listen to part of that now. You know, Davey, we were in ministry and we had watched God restore a lot of marriages around us. So I was just yeah. convinced that was what was going to happen in my case. I was, you know, daily laying face down in my bedroom floor, begging God to restore our marriage, begging him to, um, yeah. you know, make my husband's heart desire to do the work that it was going to take to fix what was broken. Um, and that was not the story that God gave me. And, um, I think the hurt that came with that and the level of rejection, I remember, um, you know, in May during that in-house separation, we had to do a trip, um, to Vegas for him to speak at a church there. And, you know, we'd been in an in-house separation for three months at this point, sleeping in separate beds, but we had to pretend like everything was okay on this trip. And, we had Sunday afternoon free before he, we had a dinner that night and we were sitting by the pool and he out of the blue said, I've never really loved you. And I remember being gutted and I'm sitting by a pool in Las Vegas where there are hundreds of people and they are having fun and they are enjoying their cocktails and water splashing and people are laughing and music is loud and my life is crumbling. Um, and just the immense pain of knowing I'd spent 20 years married to someone who told me that they never really loved me. It just, it, it took the breath out of me. And I, I, I didn't know how I was going to start again. I think, you know, there's part of me that I now realize that when you're walking through a situation like that, someone, people, when they're making choices, they're hurting the people that they have loved, that they justify those choices by saying things that aren't true, um, by recreating their own personal narrative. Um, But it is really hard to think, man, I gave you 20 years and you didn't love me. Mm -hmm.